We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital Football Expert Pete DeWeese back after Ole Miss's open date. Uh, Ole Miss getting ready to uh, make the trip east to Auburn. They'll go to Jordan-Hare Stadium and play Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers 6 p.m. on Saturday. The game will be televised by ESPN. We'll have full post-game coverage at uh, rebelgrove.com and also here at MPW Digital. Um, this show also brought to you by uh, Twisted Tea. We'll talk about Twisted Tea at some point during the show, but don't forget Twisted Tea sponsors all of our MPW digital content this football season. This show brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of? Would you, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered home or business. As a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland Services, Mississippi, and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. Pete, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good. Um, We'll touch on the Arkansas game quickly. Ole Miss beats Arkansas a couple weeks ago, 27-20 to in Oxford. A good game, entertaining game. Um, Credit to Arkansas. They showed up, played well. Took a lead into the fourth quarter at one point, led 20 to 17 with about, I don't know, 12 minutes and change left. I don't remember the exact time and it doesn't matter anymore. Um, it's where I thought this is the point you, you and I talked about this before we started. Like, uh, there's not a whole lot to say about that game. I'll say this for that game. It's twice in two games that Ole Miss trailed in the fourth quarter against a team that had a pretty good plan. I thought LSU had a great plan. I thought Arkansas had a good plan. I thought Pittman and those guys had a good plan for Ole Miss. And twice in a row, Ole Miss answered the bell, something they didn't do a year ago. They weren't resilient a year ago. They weren't. I mean, that's not an insult. They just weren't. Um, Lane has said that. So before anybody gets offended, they, they weren't. They weren't tough mentally. They weren't resilient. They weren't particularly together. They were – They were. They were uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? They were kind of front runners a year ago. Yeah. When yeah. everything went well, they were good. The minute something went poorly, not so good. And so I thought it was a big moment in the Arkansas game. Pete, I'm curious to get your thoughts as a football coach. You know, Arkansas's down 17 to 10 at the half. They'd lost three in a row. Uh, yeah, three in a row at the time. And they come out and they 
get a field goal, and they get a, a big stop on a fourth down where Ole Miss went for it. They get a big stop. Their sideline kind of goes crazy. You could see it. You see some energy on them that they really had not had before. And uh, K.J. Jefferson and company made a couple plays, got in the end zone, touchdown. And 12 minutes and change left. They're up three, and they force a fourth and one. And their sideline's like, okay, Ole Miss is going to go for it. This is our moment. And Ole Miss got it. It was a risky play to go for it. I mean, it yes, was, it was. Uh, I mean, whoa, I was like watching that going, well, I know what column I'm writing tonight if it goes the <laughs> other way. But um, Ole Miss got it. They drive down, score. They get a stop, score again, get a stop, win the game. I thought that resilience two weeks in a row, that toughness two weeks in a row, if that's this team's calling card, man, they might go places. Yeah, I, I think um, they've 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 done a couple things. I, I think in, in part of it is they've shown some resilience. I think I think the other piece is coming off of figuring some things out early in the season and then getting some guys back healthy. They've started to figure out where they can go. You know, it's the the emergence of Bentley, right? Um, being able to change a pace with with Judkins and and you know, honestly, them as that game went on, not using the quarterback in the run game as much as they they have in previous games, and with the passing game not really being on top of it. Yeah, um, Jackson was hurt. I mean, he, he that the knee was bothering him. No question about it. Yeah, I mean, and you could see it. So. For them to kind of take take some of those body blows, um, and and then still kind of find a way, um, I I certainly thought it was big. I mean, we we said talking about that game, you know, everybody likes to say that that little matchup has a tendency to get drunk, and we said, you know, just didn't necessarily see that coming in this one, and it it maybe didn't go full drunk, but it it had a few drinks and it it tested some willpower. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I I was with you. I thought when Ole Miss chose to go for it on fourth down. Um, you know, when they did it against LSU and they went for it late, I was like, it it felt a little bit desperate. Um, when he went for it against Arkansas, it felt a little more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was close and and they did get it. And obviously the result, and honestly, you know, I I noticed watching the Oregon Washington game last week, a guy standing right behind Dan Lanning with the same the same notebook that for analytics that, that Kiffin and everybody else has. And, and really, if you think about the way that that game played out and where those teams chose to go forward in fourth down, it's a very similar situation. Ole Miss just ended up in the win column while, while Oregon didn't. And so I think some of that is, um, you know, they, they say the attitude of the team always takes on the attitude of the head coach. And, and that's the way Lane likes to play. That's the way Lane likes to coach. And in this group, um, because we certainly know that that Lane Kiffin, at least in his public persona on the field, embodies a lot of confidence. Um, and and I think he's trying to get his team to play like that. And if they do, uh, it certainly bodes well for him. Yeah, like I always say, the other team prepares too. The other team scouts and prepares. And again, I, it was a it was a weird spot on the schedule. Ole Miss had spent so much emotional capital on LSU. They were tired. They knew that it had an open date around the corner. And, uh, you know, Arkansas, to its credit, played really, really hard, played kind of desperate. And, and, and let, let, had a good plan. And, and let's be honest, they turned around the next week and played well against Alabama. Like, yeah. you know, they, they, they are not um, – they're not a bad football team. 
They they played LSU, you know, tight for a long time in that game. They had a good plan coming into Oxford. They had a good plan in Tuscaloosa. Um, and and they're just they're a little bit disjointed right now. They're they're a team that they are going to beat somebody at some point this season if the wheels don't fall off. Yeah. And it it's gonna wreck somebody's schedule a little bit. All right, so let's talk about Ole Miss. The Rebels, as we mentioned, head to Auburn, Jordan Hare, um, six o'clock ESPN, Auburn, three and three overall, oh and three in the SEC, still seeking Hugh Freeze's first SEC win as Auburn's coach. Um I'll, I need to hit the share screen button here for a second. Then it's all yours. I'll let you uh, sort of take us through what you expect from the Tigers. You know, I, I think there's 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 some neat storylines in this game as you look at it. I think just the other day, Kiffin alluded to, um, you know, when when Ole Miss played Baylor a couple of years ago, and um, you know, defensively Baylor had a good scheme and and really gave Ole Miss a ton of problems that night. Um, and, and that scheme is now, you know, move, move to the planes, not necessarily with the same players, not as deep in the system. Haven't been running it as long. Dave Aranda's not also on the headset. You know, there, there's a lot of differences, I think. Um, but also you, you have the connection there between, um, you know, the two defensive coordinators, um, and, and the history that those two kind of have together is, is interesting and, and, Knowing that that you know a lot of Golding's background comes from um, comes from things that he he learned and 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 took from from Roberts, and so I think that's an interesting storyline. Obviously, um, you know the the Hugh Freeze piece is a storyline that a lot of people are going to want to talk about. Um, but I, I I just think in general, um, if Ole Miss, you know Arkansas, or Arkansas, excuse me, Auburn is not a poor defensive team. I mean, you look at their performance against Georgia and people seem to be under the impression that Georgia is a very bland offense. They are far from it. Like obviously when Brock Bowers is healthy, he's a, from another planet. Um, but Georgia does a lot of really good things offensively. They may not be as consistent at some things as they'd like to be, but they're actually a really damn efficient offense. Um, and you know, Obviously, LSU, we've seen what they can do to defenses and the success that they had against Auburn. Um, but Auburn is, is you know, similar to Arkansas defensively in the, in the standpoint of they have some good players in the front. They're not elite on the back end. Um, and, and statistically, there's not a ton of guys that really just jump off the page. But the system is sound, and they play sound. Um, and, and in the games that I've watched, as far as watching the Auburn defense, I, I think they've been solid. Um, the offense doesn't always make it easy on them. And ultimately I think that'll be the story of this game. It, it's if all, if Ole Miss is healthy on offense, I think they're going to find some success uh, they've, they've shown enough in the games that they've played to show us that they should be able to move the ball offensively. Um, you know, it, it's going to come down in a lot of ways to defensively. What does Ole Miss do, um, to, to kind of stymie this Auburn attack and, Auburn's not great offensively. I mean, you, you look at their numbers that they, they have some big points early in the season when they were playing lesser opponents, playing in simple. Um, but they're, they haven't lit the scoreboard up and everybody knows that they've struggled to throw the football. I mean, you know, you look at it and the three quarterbacks combined have thrown for less than a thousand yards this year while Jackson darts at right around 1700 yards at this point in the season. Um, so that they're just not efficient you know, throwing the football and, and even running the football. I mean, they've rushed for over a thousand yards, but Peyton Thorne 
is actually their leading rusher right now. And I, I don't know if anybody had that on their bingo card at the beginning of the season. You know, um, Jarquez Hunter's still a talented back that's going to get a chance to probably play on Sundays. And, um, and you know, he's barely, but he's second in, in yards, you know, in that offense. Um, now they've got a couple other running backs. They've, they've got the young kid that's been a little bit explosive and they find ways to get the football. But in so many ways, I think it's going to be about – Pete Golding and the defense and what they can do to get Auburn off the field. Um, I'm very curious to see, you know, probably the least po- – I mean, probably the least polished passing attack Ole Miss has seen since Mercer, right? Um, and and just – they just haven't proven to be explosive. Now, that they've got some decent players over there, but they just don't seem to be on the same page so often. So – what Freeze uh, has done, uh, what he and, and Montgomery have done, is is kind of built this offense, taken what they have. I don't know if it's necessarily the way that they would like to play, um, you know, if you give them time to recruit into that system. Um, but they're, they're taking what they have, and they're finding some really good ways to do some things in the run game. And so really that's, you know, I'm going to show a little bit of passing game, but I want to focus on some of the stuff they're doing in the run game. And in particular, the things that kind of concern me the most. So, um, you know, for my money, you know, when you watch Auburn, they're going to jump in and out of a lot of different looks. They're going to be four wide. Uh, one of the favorite things that they do for them is they actually like to get an empty and run jet sweep to get into a power read game. They're really effective doing it. They've had some success in every game doing it. But, you know, probably the thing that concerns me the most, two things. Um, if Ole Miss chooses to play coverage and not rush the quarterback, Peyton Thorne, a lot of his rush yards, some have come on designed runs, right? But a lot of his rush yards is he's actually pretty good on third down when nothing is there of going and creating with his legs. Uh, he had a big one called back on a third and I think 15 that he converted against LSU, ended up getting called back. But he he certainly has the athleticism to go make that happen. Um, but a lot of what they do from a run game perspective, when I think about some of the issues that we've seen at times against um, against different teams that Ole Miss has played this year, in particular Georgia Tech, where they were successful using their quarterback in the read game, um, Auburn presents a lot of the same issues. Um, and and for my money, Auburn is at their best not when they're four wide, not when they're five wide. But it's actually to me when they have two and sometimes three tight ends on the field. So as you look at the the image that I have up now, um, Auburn is actually in a three tight end set. Now there's not a single body lined up as a actual tight end, but in this shotgun formation, you have one receiver to the right, and then to the left, you have one one tight end that is standing up and he is roughly two yards outside of the offensive tackle in between he and the offensive tackle in the slot position. You have another tight end that is backed off the ball. And then you have a third tight end lined up in the backfield, essentially as a fullback. And then you have the running back that is in the pistol. So they can do several different things from this set, but the big thing here is they have the ability to create extra gaps. Now, if you're Georgia, and that's who this clip is against, you're playing with some dudes on the field that you can create extra gaps, and they have guys that can negate gaps. I mean, that's that is just just the bottom line. I mean, I, I can tell you from experience, 
that spending an entire Friday night trying to block Chaz Chambliss did not go very well for me. And so we <laughs> ran away from him as much as we could yeah. um, when he was a senior in high school. Right. So, um, and, and he's not the only one on the field with that type of ability. They, they've got him. So, um, you know, what they're able to do here is, is they essentially, they create the extra gap here between the tight end and the wing, but now they also create two extra gaps by adding this condensed split from the other, uh, the, the other tight end that is standing up. When you insert a fullback, you actually end up creating another gap based on where his hat places. So they really have the ability to attack you a lot of different ways. And if you can't win at the line of scrimmage and you're not really good in your run support, there's opportunity for the offense to crease. Okay. So this is, you know, opening drive, they are backed up. And so they're going to come out. They're going to put Jarquez Hunter in the pistol right here and they are going to run. And it's a counter scheme that's become very popular in the NFL this year. Typically when offensive offenses run counter, they're going to block everybody down on the front side. They're going to combo back to backers and work these different down blocks and combos. And normally teams are either going to run what's called GT counter, where they would pull a guard and then a tackle, and they're going to use those two pullers to now split the defense and create extra gaps on the play side. Or teams will run what's typically called sniffer counter, where they're going to pull a guard and then one tight end or fullback. What they're actually going to do here is they're going to pull just two of their tight ends. So the full the guy lined up as a fullback is going to pull. The guy lined up as a slot is going to pull. And what that's going to allow them to do is build additional combos at the line of scrimmage to now work things back. So now you look at this picture, there's seven defenders in the box for uh, Georgia, and they can account for all seven. You have to be able to add an eighth and in some ways a ninth if the ball were to come out wide here to the left of the offense. And you've got to be prepared to come fit these things. And you've got to be able to disrupt some bodies up front. You can see here, okay, the, the outside linebacker for uh, for Georgia comes right down the edge. And he's going to take the first kick out. And you see Georgia's building force by they're actually going to blitz a corner from the boundary and get a backer down, and that's how they're going to try to force this ball and add extra hats. If they don't bring that corner, or if the linebacker that scrapes over doesn't make this tight end miss, you can see they have hat for hat. They found a way to get to everybody, and they miss on one defender. Because of the blitz of the corner that forced the second puller to take him, they end up missing on one linebacker. And what could have been a decent run just turns into a two, three yard game. Okay. So they're building all these extra, they're bringing in all these extra hats to build all these extra gaps to force you to commit extra guys to the run. Now they're going to come back the very next play and they're going to show you the exact same formation, but they're going to present it differently. So on the previous snap where you brought the fullback along to kick the edge, you brought the sniffer around to wrap for the backer, and Georgia got into the perfect look. Like this is Auburn called this at the perfect time, and Georgia was in the wrong call for this um, because they've gone into this heavy set look, almost like a goal line type look, where they've covered up all their interior gaps. There's only one linebacker now, so what they're going to do here is Auburn's actually going to read this outside linebacker standing up. 
the picture is going to look the same. Everybody's blocking down, but instead of kicking out, he is now going to wrap for the first thing that shows. He's going to come around instead of turning up for a backer. He's going to wrap around for the next player in the alley. They're going to bring the tailback right downhill, and they're going to let the quarterback now read this stand-up defensive player right here on the edge. So as the play starts to sort out, they've got everybody slanting to the strength of the formation. Again, it's the perfect call for Auburn against the right look. He's there. Both of those sniffers are going to avoid right there. The end crashes inside. So now when Thorne pulls it, they've got numbers on the edge. They've got, and it's really, I said they were in three tight ends earlier. It's actually four because 13 is also one of their tight ends. And they had him flexed out at receiver. So now you've got a player on the corner, a player on the safety, and the one linebacker has been occupied by the second puller. And now you're able to get the quarterback out the gate for a huge gain second play of the game, you know, and he's not fast enough to pull away from that Georgia defense, but they do trust his athleticism enough to rely on him in those situations. One of the things that they did in this game that was a a nice wrinkle, and this was the first game I watched them this year. I don't know if this was anything they shown, but so now they came out. Last time we have one running back, four tight ends on the field, essentially. So now they're going to come out and they actually have two running backs on the field. They have Hunter in the backfield, and they have one of their other running backs lined up here in the slot. Okay. You have a tight end out wide. This gentleman made this player to the bottom of the screen. I'm not sure if he's a receiver or a tight end, but then they also have a tight end that is in a slot position uh, attached to the formation. So they're going to do some different things here. Again, all about gaining hats and creating gaps and giving giving the offense the ability to read different players. So they're going to bring the the tailback that's lined up in the slot. They're going to bring him across in motion, and he's just going to push vertical. As he pushes vertical, they're going to get into a simple split zone concept, but just like they did on the previous play, they're not actually going to block the edge defender. They're going to read him again. Okay, Pre-snap here, because they're in an unbalanced formation, they have the tailback and the pistol, and every other receiver and tight end is all to the right of the offense. So the strength of the defense has to be set to that unbalanced. If you don't, if you give them numbers out there, they have the ability to throw screens out wide. They have the ability to run on the perimeter. So defensively, you have to build numbers to that unbalanced set. So now you can see as they come back, they're going to basically run almost the same thing that they ran earlier, just out of a different formation now. So they're reading seven. Okay. Ashridge reading him. He squats. He thinks it's a pull read. So he's going to pull the tight end is able to get around for the support player on the defense. And, you know, I don't, I think a lot of people thought that Ashford may be explosive as a runner in this offense. And his numbers actually don't stack up to what I think some people thought that they might. He leads them in touchdown rushes, I believe. But as far as explosive plays in the run game, and I think part of that is because defenses are keyed in because they know he's a running quarterback, right? Maybe your calls are a little different. You're communicating, playing things yeah, a little I mean, bit differently. But 22, he's still – He's 11 for 22 passing. You don't have to really take him all that yeah, seriously yeah, as a passer. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of his throws are short. Now, he, he's got one nice one that I'm going to show you later. Um, but a lot of his stuff is is underneath, you know? Um, so, you know, 
again, they do a good job of using these unbalanced and these kind of unconventional sets to get you into these different looks. So this is another example of the same type of unbalance. Now, instead of having four guys to the right of the offense, the backup tailback is actually on the left, and they're going to bring him again uh, in motion, okay? And they, they can do different things with him off of that look. Here he's going to get set in the backfield, okay? And here they're going to go design the quarterback run. They do so much read game where they're either downhill with the quarterback reading the end or perimeter reads where he's getting to the overhang and now they're running power read and the quarterback becomes the downhill player and the tailback is the outside player. Here, I'm going to switch to the end zone view. They're going to show you that look like they're running it wide and they're actually just going to run a now a counter scheme for the quarterback. But again, because of the motion, because of the unbalanced, you've got the defense, they have to maintain numbers to the right. So you get one overhang player to the left of the offense, a deep safety to the left. And when they bring the run back that direction. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now they create the gap for the quarterback to get loose in the run game and get him a nice little gain and kind of get him down in the red zone. So they did some nice things against Georgia um, that that were were fairly effective. I thought they had some good wrinkles also against LSU um, that you know kind of show you a lot about where they are as an offense right now. So I put this on here, you know, one. It's a run presentation. There's two tight ends on the field. You have a tight end wing to the left of the offense. You have two receivers split to the right of the offense. Tailback is in the backfield. A lot of the passing game for Auburn looks to me, there's not a ton of full-filled reads in what they're doing. There's not a lot of examples where I see the quarterback start his eyes to one side of the field and work back across the field to the other side of the offense. Now, 
you know, some offenses don't carry a lot of that stuff. A lot of guys will tell you there's not always a great need for that stuff. Um, but you don't see a ton of it. And I don't, I don't know if it's fully by design, if it's about, you know, fully about the wide receivers. But one of the things, if you watch the LSU game, you heard the announcers talk about there was a point in the game where I think Thorne was talking to Freeze coming off the sideline and the announcers brought it up where they were talking about the receivers and guys not being on the same page and not getting to the right depth. And there's a lot of examples on this film where you can see where there's the communication, the the kind of symbiotic relationship you need between your, your receivers and your quarterback in that passing game. It's just not there. So just kind of, kind of give you an idea. So they're going to come out. This is a, a again, it's a run heavy set and they're actually going to get into a passing scheme. So they're going to motion the tailback out and they're going to run one of the most basic quick game concepts in football, which is known as snag. So they're going to push the inside receiver is going to be vertical on the corner. The outside receiver is going to kind of just come sit down and he's going to try to replace the outside linebacker. So if Perkins takes the running back, he is going to wrap up right inside the, of the backer as he expands. If Perkins sits still, he's almost going to set on his outside shoulder like he's setting a pick. Ball should now uh, potentially go out to the tailback. On the back side of it, they're going to give him a simple two-man stick. Tight end is going to take his best release. Typically is going to turn outside on that from that alignment, and the wing is going to run to the flat. So what they've done here is they've given the quarterback a very simple read. Where's my math and coverage? Once that back goes in motion, does the secondary or do the linebackers rotate with the back? If they do, I have a very simple two-on-two on the backside. If nobody rotates, then I have a three-over-three to the field. It's an easy read. It's an easy completion. Try to get him confidence. We're still early in the game right here and it's something you should be able to complete all day. When you watch it from the end zone, you can see as the back pushes, the 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 defense is going to rotate their coverage. Okay? So here goes the back motion. You see the linebackers adjust. He knows right now I'm two over two to the boundary. I've got a deep safety in the corner. The backers have shifted. I don't have to worry about the mic getting to my stick route anymore. So he knows right now that I'm going to work backside. He he confirms it with his eyes in the first step of his drop right there. Yep, there's the wheel pushing out. Boom, come back to my stick route. He is expecting this tight end to turn outside. He throws the ball to the outside, but the tight end turns in and is surprised when the ball is on his outside shoulder. Now, some people teach turn inside on stick routes, but they typically only do that when a player is expanded. Normally when the guy's a tight end like this or he's close to the box, you're going to train them to turn out so that if that linebacker is scraping to the play, he can't make a play if the ball's thrown on the outside shoulder, you have a chance to get a completion. So this to me just stood out as a very basic example of them not being on the same page in the passing game, and it kind of explains – some of the, um, you know, some of the inconsistencies there. Now yeah, you're just watching that on TV. You're like, oh, that was a bad throw. He made a made a bad throw. But now that you explain that to me, I'm like, oh no, he he threw it where I, he thought the receiver I, would. I, I can tell you this: we we run it, and and with everybody I've ever known that I've taught it, that tight end is going to turn outside. 
You know, that's that's what you're going to teach it. But you're right. You watch it live. It looks like a bad throw. To me, it's disconnect. Right. It's 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 understanding. And and so um, that th- there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, one of the things that I think just kind of stood out in film, they're not a bad RPO team. Hugh is always when Freeze was at Ole Miss, they, they were big in RPOs. They were successful in RPOs. He had some quarterbacks that really understood them. So this clip in particular stood out to me because one, I see LSU defensively play in a similar scheme than you see a lot from Ole Miss. And we talked about this actually leading into Arkansas because we talked about how against Alabama and in other games, you see Ole Miss gets to a lot of one high coverages where they will rotate a safety down on the snap to become the extra fitter to, um, to, to, to fit the run. So, a lot of people, if the run play is here and the quarterback's hips are turned to his right, they're reading the right side of the field. If they're going to read it across the bow here and they're going to replace this safety with a glance route by the outside receiver, and it's something that I think Thorne actually does well. He gets into the mesh here. His eyes are on the safety. He knows he's down. They've got counter blocked up front. It's not blocked great but he sees the safety down right now. So he pulls and he throws the glance route. This is something that, you know, it's, it's nothing unique to Auburn. It's something that everybody, you know, most teams in college football are doing these days, but I do think a lot of their success comes on RPOs in the passing game. A lot of their success comes on RPOs and in, and it comes on swing or screens, things, things of that nature. Right. So you have to have the plan because again, they want to run the football, but that they're not phenomenal up front. They, they don't, they don't strike me as just this great offensive line. They haven't created huge creases in basic run schemes. Um, so often, I mean, they're not just killing people up the middle with talented running backs. Um, so you got to find a way to fit the box, protect the box, but you've got to be conscious of the RPO game because it is going to be a part of what you see. Uh, LSU, you know, they get the completion right here, and I'm not showing it to you, but the very next snap of the game, they actually line up and find a way to run the exact same route the other direction and throw it again the very next play, giving the quarterback a very much the, the same read. Okay. Skipping on a little bit forward in the game, here's here they are again, one of their unbalanced sets. Showed it to you against Georgia. Here it is against LSU, and they're gonna they're gonna handle it a little bit different right here. Okay, one thing we have seen several times now, I've shown it to you a couple times, is the way they bring one of these sniffers or tight ends across, and he is gonna lead for the quarterback in the read game. Here in the red zone now, what they're actually gonna do, and we've seen Ole Miss, you know, use something similar to this a ton, is instead of bringing him across now to lead. They're actually going to bring him across now and get him into the flat as a receiver. So if the quarterback gets the read where the end squeezes, so the quarterback's going to pull the ball, as this guy comes to attack thinking, I've got to go be conscious of the quarterback in the run game now, they have a chance to slip behind him. What they're going to do here that's nice is they're going to add the extra element of motion. So, again, they've lined up in this unbalanced set. There's four offensive players to the left. Nobody to the right of the quarterback. They're going to force the defense to put numbers to the left. And now they're going to motion you back across. 
He's going to now push vertical, so he's going to flush that cover guy there so that now as the quarterback gets his read and pulls it, the guy that has been his lead blocker that that linebacker's thinking, go attack, go attack, go attack, is now going to slip into the flat, finds himself uncovered, and gets him down inside the five. So they do a nice job, again, of of sequ- sequencing plays, building off of things, um, and, and protecting some of their base runs with little wrinkles like this and doing some some nice things to get different guys um, involved in the offense. Okay, Again, showing you that look of how they will find different ways to lead for the quarterback and do some different things. And we'll go ahead and go to the end zone copy here. They will do it so many ways. Um, they'll do it with motion. They'll do it without motion. It's all about creating numbers to get a guy out in front of the quarterback so that if he wants to pull it, you've got blockers out there for him. And so here's just another way they do it. And, again, I just kept having some thoughts of early season games, in particular uh, the Tulane game uh, and, and really more so the Georgia Tech game where they had success running the quarterback on certain down and distance situations. Um, and these are things that I think that they're going to have to, you know, Ole Miss is going to have to do a good job to account for. Um, here, Auburn's going to line up. They've got two receivers to the right of the formation, a tight end and a wing on the left. Okay. They're going to take this wing and the tight end. Okay. The wing is going to arc. The tight end probably has a rule. Based on the alignment of the defense, he can either arc and be a second player in the arc, or he can block down and inside, again, based on the alignment of the defense. And I say that in part because I've seen them do it a couple of different ways on film. Here, he's got a guy head up on him, plus a guy outside. So they're outnumbered if he arcs. So he's going to go ahead and block the guy that's head up. You can see what happens. I guarantee this was a miscommunication by the defense. Number one, cannot take the tailback here. Somebody has to be the quarterback player, but that's not what happens. He takes the tailback. Now it's easy run for the quarterback. It's an easy pull read, and he's able to get himself out and convert this on a – it's either a second and short or a third and short right there. So when when they present these different looks, Alabama got in these looks. Milrow carried the ball against Ole Miss from these tight end wing looks, reading these guys. They're going to have to do a really good job of understanding who's the fit, who's the force, who's got dive, who's got the quarterback. Okay. Um, two more clips I want to show you. Again, just another look at their unbalanced right here. It's another way that they've done a good job of getting the ball to a playmaker with a very easy read for the quarterback. So they're going to start here. It's another uh, it's another unbalanced set, two receivers to the right. Both of them are on the line of scrimmage. They're going to motion the tight end out to create an extra hat, and now the quarterback is able to read it. Okay, If they expand and the defense pluses out to the motion, he can hand the ball off here on the counter to the tailback, if the defense does not expand and he has numbers on the perimeter, he's just going to swing it out now to the other back. It's a first and 10. It's an easy six-yard gain for them. And you can see from the end zone, you know, you're you're creating a bind. You've essentially created triple option here. You get to your unbalanced set. They're pulling right there. And the quarterback really has three options. 
if <clears throat> 35, the defensive end for LSU, if he were to squeeze down the line and take 27, the tailback, the quarterback can pull it and he can run. If the defense doesn't adjust to the swing, you can throw the swing. And then obviously there's also the choice you could hand it off to your tailback and try to gash him down a gap. Is 52 so, the offensive line? Is he not ineligible down? Not ineligible. Is he too far downfield on here? How 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 many yards does he get? Well, it, it's a screen. They're throwing it behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, so he's okay. So, so he's, yes, so, so he's good to go. Um, they'll package a lot of things like that. Um, they don't package very many, like this is a gap scheme. You've got guys blocking down, guys pulling. They don't package very many downfield RPOs on gap schemes. Counter, like with the sniffer that I showed earlier where they threw the glance is really the, the main one I've seen. Most of their RPOs, a lot of them happen off of zone blocking, less likely to get guys climbing. They're working combos at the, at the line of scrimmage. And then the last one here, you know, again, they've shown you all these different looks, all right? They, they've shown you all the different ways that they'll read it. So now they're going to have a plan to play action you, um, which is what they get here. LSU splits the coverage. They've got three over two to the field. They're basically playing a man-to-man down here uh, at the bottom and now playing a match coverage. Now they show you the run game. They pull the guard. The running back comes across showing you the run game. And now they're going to leak the tight end down the middle. They're going to rail the tailback. And it's probably one of the better throws that um, that Ashford has made this season. And it, it's not a perfect ball. The tight end does a nice job adjusting his route. Across the safety's face, Ashford sees it. And now they're able to get the explosive down the field. So that's going to be the challenge to me is, is I, I don't, are they going to complete some balls in the passing game? Yes, right. To me, it's going to be about how does Ole Miss handle it when they find all these different ways to create gaps, to 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 exchange bodies in the read game and give the quarterback a chance to get on the perimeter, and then how do they handle some of these play-action shots down the field when they choose to take them? If, I know- if Ole Miss can control the run game, they should have a, a you know a good chance, but it's not always easy to do, and it's going to be a great atmosphere down there. Yeah, the atmosphere is always a, a factor there. People don't realize how loud that place gets. How that team, maybe more than any other team in the league, with the possible exception of Tennessee, feeds off the home crowd. I mean, Auburn's a different team away from home than they are at home. It just they just are. Um, just real quick, defensively. Auburn's got a reputation for being pretty good, pretty athletic. Uh, if Watkins is unavailable, if Ole Miss's receiving game is a little bit limited, how much? How does that affect things? Curious to see what the Ole Miss response would be. You know, um, do you take Dayton Wade and move him into the slot? Um, is is there somebody else that's just been working at that position that you feel good about? You know, I, I would think based on the bodies that we've seen that you're likely to see Wade in the slot and somebody else on the outside, but I, I don't know if that's that's what they would take. Dayton Wade has shown he can make plays. Um, what Watkins has been so good about, in my opinion, is they can just move him around so much and he seems to handle a lot of different things, right? So it's going to be about 
um, you know, who, who can fill that, that role. Cause you know, you saw him in the last couple of weeks I mean, you saw him line up essentially as a, as a wing next to a tight end. You've seen him line up in the slot. He's the motion guy. They use him so many different ways. They've used him in the backfield before. Um, you know, it, it's to me, I, I again, I would just think Wade slides in. Then you need somebody else to step up on the outside, but I, I really don't know. Um, you know, how healthy is the quarterback? Um, and, and can they get themselves in a rhythm, which they struggled to do at times in the passing game against Arkansas? And so, um, I'll be curious to see, you know, when I watch Auburn, their D line, um, their D line doesn't necessarily stand out as far as, um, being dominant in pass rush. But what I think they are good at is defending against the run. I, you know, um, Freeze's D line coach right now is Jeremy Garrett, who played at Ole Miss. Um, he, he was there when I was there, uh, for, for part of the time. Um, and, um, he, he's done a good job. He inherited some good talent, but you watch those guys. Um, and I, I can't trying to <clears throat> remember some names off the top of my head, but, um, you know, n- number 50, um, I, I think it's Harris, um, defensive lineman is, is really impressive with the way he plays. They've got some massive bodies up front. And really what they do is they, they, they feel like they can control the line of scrimmage in a lot of ways with their front four and keep their linebackers free to play. Um, and if, you know, if, if they can do that, it can certainly make it hard to run the ball at times. Um, you know, that, that's where Ole Miss you see having to be a little bit more movement based in the run game, a little bit more protect their linebackers that way. Um, defensively. But, uh, you know, Auburn's able to just play ball because they're pretty good up the middle. And so Ole Miss will have to handle those guys on the interior. And then, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if 11 can't go. How do they, how does Ole Miss respond? Last thing, I've got Ole Miss winning a close game. I think this is tight. I think the, the line's a little high at six and a half. I just, just know Auburn at home and I know how that emotion and all that stuff. Your thoughts? Um, I, I, I expect Hugh Freeze to have his team ready to play, especially at home. Um, I, I just typically he does. Um, what you wonder is what's, what's the mood like inside that field house? You know, um, he looked pretty disheveled after, after the LSU game. Uh, some of the players kind of seem the same way. So that, you know, how do they respond? Um, if Ole Miss can punch him in the mouth early, maybe things go a little bit different. Um, if, if, if Auburn does what they did against Georgia and that's find ways to control the ball a little bit early in the game and get a stop here and there, um, you know, it, it, it can look a lot different. I, I think Ole Miss is, is, is right now the better team. Um, but they're going to have to go play like it. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Yeah, that's that's about it. Um, it's really good stuff. It's it's always interesting. Hey, we've been brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. It's unlike any hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea. Packs, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. 
perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. And don't forget, we've been brought to you each and every week by Riverland, Riverland Roofing. Uh, if you uh, need to get in touch with them, please do. Uh, make sure you tell them that you appreciate them sponsoring uh, this show. They've been uh, they've been terrific for us. 662-644-4297. We'll be back next week. Ole Miss getting ready for homecoming. It's Vanderbilt coming into town. Uh, Clark Lee and the Commodores um, still trying to figure out how to get things together. But the last couple of years, they've given Ole Miss some, uh, some fits at times. So it's a game that uh, we'll certainly talk about here on Pete's Pigskin Preview. Pete, as always, uh, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. For Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. Like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll get ready for Ole Miss and Vanderbilt in Oxford, a 6.30 start on SEC Network. We'll have uh, full coverage of Ole Miss and Auburn following uh, Saturday's game here on MPW Digital, also at rebelgrove.com. Be careful out there driving, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good night.